I've, I've often said the, the importance or the value of your calling is not whether you're in the ministry or not, but who called you. So if God called you to be a godly plumber or electrician or a school teacher, that's just as important because not because of what you do so much, but because of who asked you to do it. This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Well, welcome to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam, and I'm your host. And helping take our leadership to the next level is Dr. Richard Blackaby. Well, Sam, it's an ongoing project, but I'm still working at it. Well, I, I am a, a lifelong learner, <laughs> so I'm, I'm happy to be a, a, a full-time project for you. And uh, you've got your With work, much prayer, you've got your work yeah. cut out for you, I'll, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, but uh, today we want to look at, uh, just dive right in here to um, leadership in the church and marketplace. And, uh, you know, I think if, if any of our listeners have been in church uh, for any number of uh, years, they'll know that there's a, there's a, a pretty big inf- uh, emphasis in the church, you know, when someone feels a call into full-time ministry yeah. or to missions, and, and that should be rightly celebrated. But I think what's maybe often overlooked is... Uh, the leaders that are going into the workplace and and making a difference in their communities and sometimes there's not really clear uh you know there's not a real clear calling that the church places on those people um and maybe just how does how should the church how should pastors look at leaders in the marketplace yeah and i think if you've followed by uh speaking and travel very much, you know that probably half of the time I'm speaking, it's to marketplace leaders yeah. uh, and and half uh, to church leaders. And a lot of times in the same week, I'm speaking to both groups. And uh, Well, that's why I had you on today, Richard, because I know this is really your, your niche here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and so, uh, and it's interesting when I'm in a room full of business leaders, uh, they're, they're typically involved in their churches, but a lot of times their pastors don't necessarily know what to do with them. Uh, yeah. And they often feel ill-equipped in their own local church. I, it's, it's partly why people, I think I've shared you know, before, that I'm a part of one group that uh, we do training at the Dallas-Fort Worth Airport uh, at the Grand Hyatt Hotel that's right there on, on site. And uh, I just came from there the last couple of weeks. I've been there each week uh, with a different group. And these folks fly in from all over the country uh, for a 24-hour period. We, we start at lunch on Thursday. It ends at lunch on Friday. And, uh, and in that 24-hour period, uh, it's quite intensive uh, with a lot of teaching and, and uh, case studies and various things. And these folks, uh, they go to church, but they still don't feel like their church necessarily equips them the way they feel they need to be for the, the workplace. And mm-hmm. so... So they join groups like this, and they travel across the country. Um, I, I think I mentioned before, but uh, in an earlier group that I did a couple of years ago, we actually had a, a business exec who flew from Hong Kong to Dallas uh, ten, 10 times. There's th- this particular group has 10 meetings, and he flew from Hong Kong to Dallas 10 times um, just to get training that he couldn't get in his local church. And so... I think this is an important issue, and so I want to just yeah. kind of walk through uh, some of the things that, uh, I, just observations, I think. So whether you're a pastor listening to this or you're a business person, a professional, um, I think that this can apply. And so 
first one just is that uh, all are called, uh, not just missionaries and mm-hmm. pastors. And I, you know, I remember the day that I felt called into a ministry track. I was uh, 18 or so years old and uh, felt like God was calling me, and I, I sensed it was at that time to be a pastor. And of course, that's a big deal, and churches celebrate. And uh, you, it, it, in my church and the culture I grew up in, uh, that was certainly celebrated uh, because, because in some sense, we feel like, hey, if you're called to be a pastor, then you're real serious about your walk with God. I yeah. mean, you're, you're willing to go to great lengths for him and to study and prepare and, and uh, to represent God each day uh, and to expand his kingdom. And those are all very noble undertakings. But, uh, but if you just felt called to go get an MBA and go into management in a local factory or something, you know, we're glad that you're going to be a responsible Christian adult and provide for your family and tie to the church. But, uh, but the real super spiritual ones are the ones that became missionaries and moved to Ethiopia or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think people are beginning to realize, well, everyone is called. I mean, God has a purpose for every life and clearly he, he doesn't intend for every person to be a pastor or missionary. Uh, at least not in the traditional sense. Uh, and so God equally calls you. It's not a lesser call. I mean, I've, I've often said the the importance or the value of your calling is not whether you're in the ministry or not, but who called you. So if God called you to be a godly plumber or electrician or a school teacher, that's just as important because not because of what you do so much, but because of who asked you to do it. Right. Uh, and if God has a purpose for you, uh, then you embrace that. And it, it, Martin Luther, back in the Reformation, was one of those who really highlighted that and said, "You can bring just as much glory to God as a, a bricklayer doing it for the, the glory of God uh, than a priest or a minister could could bring glory to God." And so. Uh, it's how you do it. If you do everything under the Lord, uh, then you glorify God as well. And so I think, uh, I think we rightly uh, celebrate people that feel called to ministry. It's, it's a, that's a hard undertaking. It usually doesn't pay nearly as well as other callings. Yeah. Uh, it does mean that you're under, in a, living in a glass house and observed and scrutinized uh, to a, perhaps a greater degree. Um, and it means that you're trying to minister in a very an increasingly uh, secularized society that uh, rejects a lot of what we teach and believe. So that's not an easy calling for sure. And, and we ought to be grateful for every person that surrenders to that call. But, but I think the church also needs to celebrate when people clearly feel called into being a professional of some sort or mm-hmm. a business person. And uh, and I think even as we like to celebrate and bring people forward that have surrendered to the call to ministry, as we call it, uh, I think we should also celebrate when people step up and say, I feel called into law school to be a Christian attorney or uh, yeah. to be a Christian nurse or a Christian teacher, a uh, Christian business person. And, uh, and and so I think the key is just what is it that God's called you to do? I, if I were a pastor today, I remember when I was a pastor, I always gave special attention to the young people, the teenagers, the college students. And uh, I wasn't trying to pressure them to be pastors, 
But I, I kept asking them, but what do you sense God is calling you to do? And I just put it in their, their hearts and their minds that God was calling them to something. Mm-hmm. And they, I couldn't tell them what it was. They had to find that out from God. But, um, but when, when you ask those kind of questions, it starts making people think, well, I, I was just going to try to find a job that paid the most money. I, I didn't, it didn't, had, didn't really cross my mind that I needed to actually just find out what God was calling me to do. So, so that's, um, that's point number one is just everybody's call. Yeah. And as pastors, you need to constantly be asking people, what has, what's God, what is God's calling on your life? What has he called you to do? But, uh, but second, uh, business people, uh, and professionals are going to touch a lot of people that pastors are not. We mm-hmm. churches, of course, always, they, they tend to mistakenly assume, well, the pastor is going to do the evangelism in the church, and he, he's going to—he's—he knows the Bible so well, and he's so good at sharing the gospel that we're just really praying. Well, we hope to get a young pastor that can just evangelize a lot of young couples and and get a bunch of people in our church. But, but the fact is that uh, business people, professionals, every workday they go into the workplace and they rub shoulders with all kinds of people that a pastor is not going to come in contact with. And so if we're expecting the pastor to do all the evangelism, all the outreach, uh, he's in a, when he's in a church office on Monday morning, he's not rubbing shoulders with a whole lot of lost people. There, there may be some mm-hmm. that he'll see for sure, but, um, but most of the people that work with you in your office, your pastor is never going to cross paths with. Right. Uh, he doesn't He's not next door neighbors with them. He doesn't go into your workroom. Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't have a cubicle uh, next to yours in the workplace. And so that means you've got to be the one that's equipped to do that. And uh, and so if I were a pastor, uh, I I would map out where all my people work. I I would I would literally I would get a city map and I would mark out what office buildings do I have a church member in? What streets do we have? church members on, uh, where, where are, is the salt and light of our congregation spending their week? You know, what streets are we touching? Maybe we need to start a Bible study in that office building where I've got three of my church members, uh, there all week and begin to ask yourself, uh, where does this church just naturally touch? How many neighbors? If we just thought about the neighbors on either side and across the street from our church members, how many households are we touching in some way? Um, how many how many businesses are do we have at least one of our members uh, associated with, and then how many clients how many customers are we touching uh, from one of our members? And before long, you start to realize, wow, we, we our our little church has quite a touch every week. I've got to be equipping those uh, church members uh, to be salt and light every time they encounter someone along the way. Well, and that, as as a pastor, I would imagine that really informs um, the way that you preach as well. So if yeah. now you know yeah. when you're looking out at your congregation, oh, I was, you know, I had lunch with this person in their workplace, and you know, I, I saw what this person does day in and day out in the hospital, and and I think that can really shape um, the the sort of preaching that that a pastor would do, and and, and even just the the topics that you're going to cover, because now you see. Hey, these are these are the things that you know my people are dealing with on a on a regular basis. Yeah, I think that's so important for a pastor. Uh, that's just another one of the points is uh, that we we need to be pastors need to be equipping the saints. Uh, Ephesians four, verse twelve says, that, you know, the reason God gives 
pastors and 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 you know, apostles and, and various offices in the church. It's not so that they can go out and do all the work, but their job is to equip the, the saints, basically the lay people, uh, for for them to do the work of ministry uh, and uh, and and to build up the body of Christ. And so. Um, the focus needs to be on, so what is it my people need? What is it they don't know? What mm-hmm. is it they don't know how to do? Um, what is it they're facing? What problems are, are eating their lunch right now that I need to equip them for? And I think all of our preaching and teaching certainly needs to be biblical. It needs to be Christ-centered, but it needs to be applicable to our people's actual lives. And and that's that's always been a problem for some pastors because a lot of pastors, and I, like I would say myself included, um, I you know I put myself through college by working in some pretty pretty tough work environments, but that was a long time ago, and I I, I did it as a summer job, just earning tuition money. But uh, mm-hmm. I didn't that wasn't really my career. I didn't spend decades in that field, and and yet I'm trying to preach and teach and equip people. Uh, for lives that I've never lived myself. And so uh, I, I've got to become familiar with that. I've got to talk with them. I need to sit down with them and and say, what what are your biggest challenges each week as you work in a very secularized uh, workplace? And maybe your boss is kind of leans toward being a hostile toward Christianity. And, um, and so what, what pressures do you face every day? And are, how are you being forced or pressured to compromise your your Christian values and morals. Uh, you know, we, I've shared before about uh, a guy that, that was in my church that uh, he didn't normally drink alcohol, but uh, but his boss, every time he closed a deal with a new big customer, wanted to seal it with a drink. And he he would stare, uh, a, you know, a, a stare with, of knives at his employee, like, don't act rude and offend this guy by refusing to drink with him. And uh, and you know, this guy just, he had a personal value of not drinking, which is fine. But, uh, but then he, his moral value, his, his stand, his convictions were put on the table every time there was a new deal. And, and so when I realized that, um, here we are praying for him to advance in his career and be successful, but, but to be successful means you've got to do things the way that your non-Christian boss wants you to do them. Um, then now they've got to decide, do I, do I care about my career, uh, or do I care more about just not compromising myself? Do I, do I need to find another place to work? Even if I have to take a step back, take a cut and pay, do I just kind of suck it up until I get the position I want? And then do I start trying to maybe live more to my values and lots of really tough questions that a typical pastor might never have faced themselves. But so how do they know how to equip? their people to do that yeah. um, unless they've talked to them and they understand what the what they're going through and um, maybe just one or two others just for the break uh, just also I just just do the numbers there are just far more lay people than there are pastors so uh, and so <laughs> yeah, if, if God, your church is made up of primarily of pastors yeah that might you be got a red flag <laughs> you've got some other problems uh, but uh, yeah. and, and so you know, where where should your focus be if the majority of your people are, are not pastors, they're not seminary trained, they're working people, lay people, professionals? Well, then obviously God made a lot more of them than he made clergy, so uh, he must have a purpose for them, and it must be an important purpose because mm-hmm. he there's a lot of them out there, uh, and they touch a lot of people, so 
Um, and I think just kind of coupled, coupled with that, one other truth, and that is that everybody has been given the Great Commission. And uh, I've, yeah. I've touched on this before uh, already, but uh, God didn't give the Great Commission just to train professional ministers. Mm-hmm. Uh, every person is challenged to be making disciples of all nations. And so uh, that means every working person has a responsibility and accountability uh, to be making disciples of other people, and not just in their city, but in the world. We're, we're told to make disciples of all nations. So that means lay people need to be also equipped to go on mission trips and how to be involved worldwide. And um, so that means that we need to be doing a lot of equipping because there's a lot of lay people and they have the same responsibility to keep, carry out the Great Commission as, as all the pastors do. So, um, you know, we I think we have to be careful. Sometimes the lay people just want to basically kind of say, well, I I give money to the church so that we can hire pastors to do the evangelism. And, yeah. and that's not, that, that that's just not valid. God doesn't, that's not how God has set it up. God yeah. has set up pastors so that they can equip the saints, uh, the lay people to, to do the actual heavy lifting of evangelism and missions. So, so if you are a lay person listening to this, uh, you don't get an escape clause. You mm-hmm. you can't just give a little bit extra to the missions offering and say, okay, I've I've fulfilled my obligation to be a missionary minded person here. No, you you're obligated to to be making disciples and touching the world yourself, and uh, that's a huge uh, assignment. And you're going to need help. You're going to need equipping, and so hopefully your church is uh, going to be there to do that for you. Yeah, well, this has been really good so far, and I'm I'm excited. Uh to come back after the break and see what else we have. Richard will be speaking at the Bill Graham Training Center at The Cove, just outside of Asheville, May 15th through the 17th on The Ways of God. Uh, This is going to be a fantastic seminar, and the uh, lodging at The Cove has already been filled, and so you can join a wait list if you want to stay at The Cove. Uh, There are other options. You can stay nearby, find your own accommodations. You can also still register for meals at the Cove. You can also just register to attend only the sessions. So there are still options. So we just want to encourage you to go ahead and uh, book your travel if you intend uh, to be there at the Cove. And we hope to see you all there. As always, uh, all this information can be found um, at the links in the description um, and at thecove.org. Well, Richard, as we've said already uh, uh, in this podcast, that uh, this is, I think, just such a greatly needed uh, discussion uh, to have. Um, I think there is such a, a great divide, really, in, in churches between, you know, the, the professional Christians, let's call them, and, and the lay people. And uh, I think bridging that gap, bringing those two together, helping lay people understand their calling uh, in the world and helping uh, pastors understand the people that they're preaching to. And so maybe in just the few minutes we've got left here, um, what are some other areas that, uh, that both lay people and, uh, ministers can be focusing on? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think another one, and I think this is really important. I, I think that the, the great untapped resource in most churches is the people in the pew, the lay people that, mm-hmm. that come faithfully each week because they, they come, they're not just uh, there so that they can teach a Sunday school class at the church or they can serve on a church committee or to give money in the offering plate. 
But they, but I think what's really missed is we've got a lot of lay people that are coming every week who have got all kinds of skills that the, the local church desperately needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of these business guys are entrepreneurs. They, they have a, a knack for seeing possibilities that other people don't see, potential. And, um, and yet the church, um, perhaps between 70 and 80% of churches right now in America are not growing. They're not, they're, at best, they're holding their own and, and just flatlining um, and, 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 and plateaued. Uh, but but you've got a bunch of plateau, uh, you have a bunch of entrepreneurs in your church who are great at seeing possibilities. Why? But but all we want them to do is hand out some bulletins at the back of the church or serve on a committee somewhere. When we need to be tapping into their entrepreneurial spirit and saying, look around this church, look at the needs in society. How could our church be meeting some of those needs and uh, and get get their entrepreneurial minds uh, rolling there so that they start to see possibilities for the church as well? A, a lot of these business guys are visionaries. They they can grab hold of really exciting futures for their company, and yet there's a whole lot of churches right now who desperately need a bigger vision than simply surviving, simply holding on. And, and these, these business guys are problem solvers, uh, and churches are full of problems right now. But we, we often leave that to the pastor, uh, maybe some of the elders or deacons to solve the problems. But you've got a bunch of people in the pews, they're doing that all week long, and yet we don't bring them in to help us with the church. Sometimes we kind of feel like, well, they're not a pastor, they wouldn't understand, and yet... The, it's clear just by the the current state of the church that the pastors alone are not figuring it out. They they need to tap into these uh, problem solvers sitting in their pews. And you know, business leaders often are unifiers. I mean, they they don't want fragmented companies. They know if a company is going a dozen different directions that they're going to not uh, be profitable. Uh, and so they're spending all week long unifying a diverse uh, workforce and staff and. And then they come to church, and the church is all divided, and we sort of are just leaving that on the pastor's shoulders to, to kind of figure out. A lot of the business guys I work with are kind of higher-end business guys, but um, but they often travel, and they have international contacts, and uh, and they can enter into countries that missionaries aren't allowed into, uh, pastors aren't allowed to come into. But, but these guys, uh, I've literally known folks that gave Bibles uh, to, to Muslims and, and did it as a kind of a cultural gift. You know, here from the West, here's a gift I want to give to you uh, that kind of reflects on uh, the Western country that I come from. And whereas a missionary, if they were to do that, they'd be thrown in jail or killed. So uh, all the possibilities internationally uh, are enormous if we tap into places that our, our lay people are going and traveling. And and of course, lay people are great at logistics. They they've got to figure out how to uh, supply chains and marketing and uh, staffing and taxes and payroll and uh, increased cost of living and so on. They're they're constantly doing the math and figuring out how to make businesses successful. Uh, and we need a lot of that thinking in the church today as well. Um, and just some of the lay people are great people of faith, but we're not tapping into that when it comes just to how the church is to be run. Uh, and so I, if I were a pastor, uh, I would be exegeting my people. Who is it, God, that you've given us? What skills have you brought in the church door through these people? What, what they're knocking it out of the park in their business all week long. How do we 
tap into that for the church as well. And, and of course, there are God, you know, the church needs to be done God's ways, not necessarily the world's ways, but, uh, but a lot of those skills and abilities uh, transfer right over. And, and I think that's one of the great losses in so many churches is that uh, I, I, I just know from the business guys I work with that uh, a lot of them would love the opportunity, the invitation to bring their skill sets into their church and be given the freedom to really use those to the glory of God. And uh, too many times pastors actually feel threatened by skilled business people and uh, church members rather than seeing them getting excited about the possibilities uh, that, that come with them. Uh, and then just one or two uh, maybe last things. Uh, you know, there, there used to be, uh, maybe 20 years ago, just a very, very small number of marketplace ministries. Uh, and it just kind of reflected the fact that, that traditionally churches just didn't, didn't, people didn't think about the fact that God was using business people uh, for his kingdom. And so it was quite unusual. Uh, it, it was hard to find a group like that. But uh, now there are literally thousands of organizations that work with, with business people, Christians, and equip them. And I, I'm privileged to uh, work with a number of those. Uh, the CEO Forum is probably the biggest one that, that reaches out to the, the highest level of uh, business leader. But uh, Fellowship of, of Companies for Christ International, FCCI, is one for business owners. Uh, and they meet, uh, they have meetings around the country, and they have an annual meeting that I've spoken at a number of times. Uh, some of the the cohort uh, peer groups like C12 and Convene, uh, you have an opportunity if you're a business person to meet with uh, 11 other guys, uh, 11 other people uh, that are similar to you uh, once a month and having some mentoring as well from the, the chair, the leader of that group and uh, lots and lots of great, great organizations. I could list just a, a number uh, and there's a lot that are kind of local uh, where business people and certain regions or cities are banding together. And the whole idea is just to uh, get other Christian business leaders, professionals together, and then encourage one another and uh, have meetings to talk about uh, how God wants to work through us. And so if you are a business person, I would encourage you, look around your city. There's, there's, if it's any size city at all, uh, I'm pretty sure that there's some chapters, some some branches of some of these organizations around. And I, I've been privileged to speak at many of them over the years and uh, lots of really quality people that have a real vision for how God can use business people, professionals for his kingdom. And you'll you'll be blessed to be a part of that. And I, I, I would just really encourage you to make that a priority to fit that in your schedule. And that's really been, I, I think, a cornerstone of your dad's and your ministry. Yeah. Uh, I think all throughout it has been a real emphasis on, you know, God in the marketplace, you know, and there's a great book by the same name uh, yeah. that you and your dad put together. And so I think that is just a, it's a, it's a very uh, ripe field um, for, for God's activity. Yeah. And I, uh, we might put a link to the, that book, God in the marketplace, but it's just a book that my dad and I wrote years ago. Uh, just, just kind of highlighting about 45 of the questions that we were regularly being asked by business people, um, at that, and, and, and some of the, and for the C, uh, CEO forum that I work with, 
you have to be a pretty high-end uh, CEO to, to belong to that group. So you, you couldn't necessarily qualify for that group, at least, to, to sit in the room. But we, we wrote a lot of that information down in that book, uh, Got in the Marketplace, so that anybody could read it and benefit from just the teaching that uh, we offer in those uh, gatherings. Maybe just that, two last things here just in the last minute or so. One is... Um, to the a word to the business leaders that we've given before, and that is, uh, don't abandon the church. Uh, I, I know, I know. Sometimes it can be frustrating because business leaders are so they're into efficiencies. They they know that uh, inefficiency costs them money, costs them customers, market share. Uh, they they don't the stock value. They they don't they, they hate waste. They hate inefficiencies, and then they come to their church, and their church often is not run. Uh, well, efficiently, uh, fruitfully, and so the, there's their their sin gets in the church, and there's division and all kinds of things going on. Oftentimes, poor leadership, and and so it's just more fulfilling to just pour yourself into your work than to endure a poorly run church. But uh, but don't abandon the church. We as we often say, God doesn't have Plan B. Uh, the church is God's method for taking the gospel around the world. And, and so as a professional uh, and a business person, you, you want to be a part of a church. And uh, hopefully you can bring your skills and abilities to your local church and help it be better. Um, ask yourself, well, God took me to this church. What is there? Is there some skill that I have that could help my church be the church that God wants it to be? Mm-hmm. And And then maybe... Take your pastor to lunch and say, listen, I'm not trying to be the pastor. I'm not trying to take over your job. I just want my church to be the best version it can possibly be of itself, and and I want to help. And so uh, find a way to be a blessing, and and maybe just on the heels of that, the last thing is just um, don't don't get out of your lane. And and, uh, you want to support your pastor. You want to be, perhaps you might even be invited into uh, a committee, your leadership board, or uh, elder, but... uh, but but if if God's made you a layperson, then then uh, don't try to act like you're the pastor. <laughs> I've known some lay people that they really believe they could, the church they could do a better job of of being a pastor than their pastor, and that that's that's usually a recipe for a lot of conflict and disunity. Um, if God's made you a, a business leader, an entrepreneur, then do that with gusto. Do that to the glory of God. Um, bring your skills to the church uh, and offer them as an offering to God, but uh, but be a blessing to your church leaders, not a curse, not a rival. Uh, if God wanted you to run the church, he would have called you to be a pastor, but uh, he's mm-hmm. he put you in the marketplace. And so uh, I've always, since I left being a pastor, and I'm, I'm not a business professional, but I'm a, a nonprofit uh, leader, uh, I, any church I'm in, I want to find a place where I can use my gifts to bless my church. Uh, but I, I don't intend to be the pastor. I, I don't intend to, I, I know that where my lane is right, at least for now. And so while I'm in a different lane, I, I want to stay in that lane and, and do a good job there. But I do want to be a blessing to whatever church I'm a part of. And so, uh, let me just encourage our listeners. If you're a pastor, I suspect that there is a lot of untapped resources waiting for you. And it's not just that they write you a check, but that they bring their skills, abilities, insights, and and you need to tap into those. And you need to give, not feel threatened 
by your gifted, talented lay people, but uh, set them loose. And I'll tell you what exciting things can happen. And if you're a business person, pray for your pastor and staff, bless them. And, uh, and just put every skill, ability, contact, resource you have on the altar for God and let God show you uh, how perhaps things he's built into your life, your business, are exactly what your church needs as well. And then uh, give it wholeheartedly uh, to the glory of God. Well, this has been a great conversation, Richard, and I thank you for it. And until next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackme.org.